Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. Brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to turn it all around again. It's a new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to start over again. With the sunrise, you can start over again. You can make it better than yesterday. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. There's a way. You can turn it around. Trust me. There's a way out. There's more time. Just don't give up. When the sun rises on a new day, you got another chance. If you want to join the conversation, you can hashtag Marsha's Plate. You can follow us on most social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the Geller Law Group. It is an award-winning, woman-owned and operated firm that is proudly providing legal support to the LGBTQ communities, individuals, and families. They also encourage and support their team members to be involved in organizations that serve queer people. The Geller Law Group, the lawyers there regularly monitor legislation and advise clients on legal issues that impact the LGBTQ plus community with the goal of ensuring that they have the best legal representation and that their rights are protected because we need our rights protected especially right now in the state of affairs in this country y'all know that (laughs) they understand that for transgender individuals finding affirming and welcoming attorneys who are prepared to navigate their complex legal challenges They need a lawyer who knows what they are talking about, who knows how to deal with trans issues. All of their attorneys and staff members are accustomed to working with clients, so you are assured that they're going to use your right name, your right pronouns, and be just an affirming space for you, or to make sure that family members are respected within official documentations within the office. They also have experience working on varieties of issues specific to trans individuals. You can find them at www.thegellerlawgroup.com, www.facebook.com slash thegellerlawgroup, or www.instagram.com, thegellerlawgroup. I will put all of those links in the bottom. Go check them out. They are amazing. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, hey. hey. It's going to oh. be back. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I am coming back from an amazing um, time with some community organizers in Arizona. It was so relaxing and so fun. I haven't been to Arizona in a really, really long time, but we went to this city called um, um, Carefree, and it was definitely Carefree. <laughs> and I learned so much about Cactuses. <laughs> Did y'all know that cactuses 
it takes certain breeds of them. Um, the ones that we, the t- you know, the typical ones that are like tall and got the arms. The typical ones we see, right. with the, they got the arms in kind of cartoons or pictures. Mm-hmm. So those are, those cactuses, those big tall ones. Is it cactuses it, or is it cacti? Cacti, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so th- they take a year to grow. I mean, a hundred years, not a year, a hundred years to grow an arm. What? So the, so the cat, right. the cat tie that we used to seeing those arms that come out of it take on—they're at least a hundred years old. At le- if you, if you see one, they're at least a hundred years old. If you wow. see two, no, no, no. I'm wow. sorry. Let me get these numbers right. So they're between. Wow. If you see one, they're between fifty and seventy-five years old. So the fastest is going to be like fifty to seventy-five. If you see two, wow. the oldest it is is two hundred. So wow. like if you test the two arms. Okay, wow. okay, I'm tracking. So I'm like, I did not know that these motherfuckers grow like trees. I'm like, these is old ass, these are like trees in this area. Yeah, <laughs> dinosaur trees, honey, the, the ones that don't need a lot of water. Yeah, I did not know. I I thought that they grew kind of pretty fast and blah, 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 blah. I did not know. So this place that we were at had some huge ones with multiple arms. So I was like, oh, my God, how long this place has been around? And so this guy started talking to me about cactuses and how they are literally a protected species here in, um, not here, but um, there in Arizona. Um, and he like these. You see this picture? Oh wow! Oh wow! So all those ones with two are all all like over two hundred years old. So yeah, oh, so they, cleared up. So, so they've been there since our ancestors was on the plantation. Exactly. So when you know the natives <laughs> was on the on the land, uh-huh. and so. I was like, so what did y'all do? Did y'all build around this location? Did y'all build around these um, particular um, practices? And they were like, no, sometimes, some of them, yes, they're, they've just been here. But the ones that are inside of the property, what they did was they bring them to the property and replant them like you would any kind of replant. And first they... Cause when we was driving up, I saw like the some certain cactuses being put in like they have like these wood planks on them, like these kind of wood things. It's kind of like keeping them up, holding them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh well, why do these have wood? And they was like, oh, they they're replanting them because I saw a bunch of them in a row, and I was like, wow. oh. And they was like, oh, they're just replanting them, putting them somewhere safe. Um, and so the ones that we saw at the facility, the ones that were kind of in the perimeter of the facility, they were they've been there. But the ones that were there was one that was like smack dab in the middle and it was freaking huge with multiple arms. And they had been there that whole time. And they said they replanted that. Oh, okay. They took that from somewhere else and replanted it just, you know, for the aesthetic of. Um, of the cactus and they put it in they put it in in the in the place so i was learning so much about cactuses and of course all of the big ones have holes in them because they also are home for birds and 
all kinds of stuff. So I did not know cactuses were that old when you see them particular features on them. So I wanted to to talk about that and tell y'all tell y'all about it in case y'all didn't know either. <laughs> Apparently y'all didn't either. <laughs> no, I didn't. I wasn't aware at all. I have been learning quite a bit about the foliage and the plants here lately. You know, like about um, some forest. I guess I didn't learn that well because I can't remember the name, but it's <laughs> not not too far from me here in Maryland. Not sure if it's in the States or Canada, but all of the trees in the forest are a clone of one particular tree in the forest. Oh, I did see that video, too. That video was dope. Yeah. I did see that in a certain area. That was Yeah, I thought that was dope. Yeah, it was. It was. I like that. But so it's literally all the same tree? Yes, yes. They, they, they're all from the same root system. They, they literally all um, connect at the roots. And so it's like so, one big tree with a whole bunch of trees. Right. So that one big tree, wow. when it's planted and it's old, the roots keep going, keep going, keep going. And then one, uh, each individual a tree from that, a sprout from that tree comes from the ground and grows into another tree where people think that this is a different tree, but it's actually right. just a sprout from the same root. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Wow. I was like, oh, that was dope too. Well, honey, Diamond, now you know I'm I'm the ballroom. Girl, honey, I this weekend, this past weekend was a big ball. Not sure if y'all know Jay. I know you don't keep up with ballroom. But, no, but Diamond, you I don't know. I've been around though. Don't 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 shave me. Get up. <laughs> ain't no shade. Ain't ain't no shade. We all know what we know, honey. Jay, you keep up with the politics, honey, and I keep up with the children voguing. Now, <laughs> I don't know if y'all knew, but Sanaya Alaya, icon mother, Sanaya Alaya, she's a huge name in ballroom, probably the biggest trans woman in ballroom as far as name and reputation and ballroom history of her own. Um, she hosted her along with Ballroom Throwbacks TV, they hosted the Coldest Winter Ever Ball this past weekend. And I don't know if you know some of the girls that came out, but Sanaya had invited some pioneering, legendary girls, some girls who, you know, the type of girls that we would see on Sally, Jesse back in the day, girls who essentially helped the carve this past for us, Diamond. Do you know anybody who was there? I saw Tanae. She is an icon. Anytime we see those kind of that you know, of course we got it got, you know, we already talked about this. We got some issues of colorism and da 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 da. But this is back in the nineties and the eighties. So some of these conversations weren't in advance. But some of the girls like Anjane, Tanae, were kind of, you know, your classic light skinned girl, you know, curly hair, beauties. And so I saw that they brought Tanae and Davis yeah. back. Yeah, they did. They did bring Tanae Pendavis out. She was probably the most wanted, you know, the most most. She's probably the most wanted at the ball who was at the ball out of the pioneer icons just because she doesn't come out much and she hasn't been out so long. Um, and yes, Tanae and Anjane, they're, they're still those light skinned black girls. You know, they're they're still to this day considered the <laughs> archetype. Or femme queen face in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, people like me are hoping to break that archetype because it's very Eurocentric um, and, and anti-Black in the sense that if you don't have that Eurocentric face, you're not considered a ballroom beauty. But anyway. Well, uh, well wait, a little, a little, a little bit of pushing in the right direction. We got the amazing Giselle Barbie coming in rock socking many times. Okay. Now, 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 now I want to say that she's she is pushing it in the direction of 
you know, when it comes to color. Now, she does have a gorgeous, you know, I don't want to say European, but, you that, know, with her, with her, her surge. Her nose is a bit Eurocentric. You know how that kind of, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, it's, 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 it's a white looking face, but it's in chocolate skin. It's, yeah. it's that kind of, it's still got those Eurocentric features, but it's, it's a chocolate girl and she's kind of rock socking right now. I would actually argue that she has um, stereotypical Asian features um, on w- with chocolate skin, but um, but yes, yeah, she is a beautiful girl. She does have a beautiful dark chocolate complexion, in my opinion, not the darkest, but just love a lovely brown. Um, and and I'm a fan of hers. I'm also a fan of her daughter Simone, who who is what I want to tell you about, Diamond. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had Tanae come out, and it was such a big deal. But we have also been, we we have we also have seen an altercation. Tanae essentially got mushed. If y'all don't know what a mush is, a mush is basically like an open hand push, somewhere between a smack and a push. For for all of mm-hmm. those who aren't aware, um, but yes, Simone T. She pushed mushed Tanae in the back of her head, um, and and it made headlines online. Um, me being one of the people to report on it, but yeah. Hold on, I, hold on. So, so, who is Simone? I don't know. I'm not familiar with that name. Okay, Simone is a new legend. Simone is is about my age, um, in her thirties. Um, she's also known as Japanese Faces. She's a celebrity makeup artist. She was on um, HBO Max Legendary, the the ballroom competition show, um, and she actually made some waves on HBO Max on. X- HBO Max Legendary because she called out the judges and the producers of the show for essentially rigging the show for oh, wow. um, for uh, groups and contestants who they thought were more marketable or commercial. Was this, was that broadcast or was this after the show? That that interaction was censored, baby, honey. Um, we gotcha. we got to see that Simone went off, but okay. it was a bit unclear why when you watch the show. However, yes, that's her. Um, but it was a bit unclear why um, when you watched the show. However, behind the scenes footage was leaked onto YouTube of her addressing the producers and the judges. And it was not the same argue that landed on the cutting room floor by the time we saw it. But um, her, long story short, her argue seemed a lot more justified than HBO had led us to believe it was. Um, so much so that that the judges didn't even respond after her argument because there was nothing that, that they could say. But back to the topic at hand. So y'all know who Simone is. Y'all know who Tanae is. Um, Simone Mush Tanae. Um, apparently, it's, it's an incident of a generational clash, a generational misunderstanding, if you ask me. Tanae being somebody who doesn't come out much and hasn't been out in a while, a lot of the rules in ballroom have changed in the past few years. One of the newer rules in ballroom now is that if a judge chops you, which means disqualifies you from the competition, then at some point, whether during the ball or after the ball, you're supposed to you're responsible as a judge for providing an explanation to the contestant and or their house parents on the reason for the chop. And this is for constructive criticism so that the ballroom contenders can learn to perfect their craft or maybe even find a category more suitable for them. Um, 
but but yeah, uh, apparently, and based on the video I saw, Simone approached Tanae. I can't tell you what was said, but I I do have audio from Simone um, where she says that she approached Tanae and you know asked the reason for the chop. At first, Tanae. Uh, pretended or insisted that she couldn't hear. So Simone asked repeatedly and eventually Tanae responded um, with with no real answer, just saying that um, Simone was about a six or seven out of ten. But why did she, why did that go from like that to like physical? Well, for one, if, if you ask what you my, yeah. if, you, if you ask my opinion, I, I think it's the culture of ballroom. Why, why it even became physical, you know, um, mm -hmm. physical altercations have been accepted in ballroom. Um, I literally just reported common. about, about a week ago on my YouTube channel. Um, accepted or common? Is it, is it common? Common. So, so common and so common that it is seen as acceptable. Um, I, is what I think. I think, you know, when you have children who grow up in this community and this culture and the people who they look up to as icons and legends and mother figures and father figures, when these people react in physical ways, when these people react by harming other members of the community, I think that these children are desensitized to exactly what they're doing. Um, personally, not that that excuses it at all. I have, like, like I was about to tell y'all, I did an update recently on the slashing in ballroom. Um, which I'm sure y'all are aware of the child that got his face cut with open with the machete. Um, about and the, the dude who was um bear maced everybody, the whole panel. Yes, you know, Diamond, you know, I reported on all that foolishness, I that. and I report, I report on it from um, because I feel like ballroom uh glosses over these incidents commonly, which is another reason why they keep going physical. Um, but I, I bring up these issues for the harshness of the issue and also out of the fear of repercussion. My platform is bigger than a lot of other ballroom media. So I bring attention to these events, honestly, in most cases, hoping that there is some type of legal repercussion done to these people, because in actuality, if you're in any other scene, if you're at any other job, you know, you these people aren't reacting like this. Like I told y'all, for example, Simone is a celebrity makeup artist with a great reputation in, in Hollywood, in black Hollywood, to be specific. And um, she ain't known to put her hands on nobody in, in those arenas, in those environments. And she's been working in makeup and working in beauty and, and entertainment for at least 10 years. But I, I just think it's a hot mess and I wanted to share with y'all and also wanted to share with, with the audience and encourage the audience um, to stop perpetuating violence amongst our community. If you're somebody who has issues with communicating, then write your feelings down, honey. Talk to a therapist, but putting your hands on other members of the community isn't necessary. No, over here at Marsha's Plate, we don't report about it, but trust and believe the trans deaths haven't stopped. In fact, this past weekend, a girl I know named Kitty was murdered in Las Vegas, for example. We, we need to stop hurting our own. We have enough people willing to hurt us. Yeah, I feel like, it, honey, the ball scene been around for long enough to where, you know, if you get a chop, you get a chop. I understand being mad, especially if it's some shit that's like political, especially if it's, you know, you feel like you didn't deserve it. But everybody get chopped at some point. So take your chops and move the fuck on. Come I'm back. Harder, man. 
Yeah, take your chops and move the fuck on. The whole violence, I get, I get, I understand you getting heated and you like, oh, bitch, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. But you putting your hands in somebody's face, you, um, bear makes people, you machete in somebody's face. Like it, that just takes it too far. Take your chops, take your ass home and come back. Be on too far and speaking of machetes to the faces that that child has been welcomed back into the ballroom scene after hey. year. it's only been a year since he slit wow. the other child's face open. They welcomed him back into ballroom scene because they welcomed back the person who he who he slashed. So that's that's, that's an that's an example of, of ballroom not cleaning it up. And just another note for for our audience here, just like the audience that I, I give on. Did he go to jail? No. For for first What? No, 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 no. Nobody in ballroom was willing to assist the child in pressing charges. Um, the child doesn't have, didn't have his uh, personal information. And of course, he had people behind the scenes covering for him and encouraging the child not to press charges. Um, there's even rumors of potential payoffs. What about his, what about like his medical bills and all that? There's, room, there's rumors of potential. There's <laughs> rumor, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly allegations. There are rumors of potential payoffs behind the scenes. I personally spoke mm. to the child. The child, Pink, shout out to Pink, Fifi, Ebony, um, has spoke on my platforms as well. Um, Pink is open. <laughs> open to a conversation, but um, Pink wasn't the only one who got cut. Other people aren't open to the conversation. Again, Corey has been welcomed back into ballroom without true resolution felt from the people accused and victimized. But before we get off of this topic, I want to give a warning to our audience. Um, please beware of these incidents. If you decide to attend the ball, please beware of the culture in ballroom. If you decide to attend the ball, a lot of y'all ask me why I no longer walk and why I rarely attend balls. And this is why I'm somebody with mental health issues, baby. And my altar virgin hellfire will land to Bria, virgin and Bree star in jail. Oh, baby. Let me tell you something. Uh, <laughs> our look is very important. I, I, maybe not to somebody else. I don't know. Let me not generalize and make us a monolith. But from what I'm to understand about our safety, when I, what I'm to understand about um, opportunity, you cut my motherfucking face. We don't have a problem. Yeah. You, if you cut my face, I, hell or high water, I'm coming at you. You, uh, there is nothing that's going to stop me from getting you. That's number one. You is not going to be in the community that I'm in and think that you can come and just come and be normal. And it's all good. That ballroom shit is out the window. It's yeah. vengeance between me and you now. It, it ain't got nothing to do with the ballroom community. It's me and you mm -hmm. now. And you is not about to be in my space and think that I'm just going to let you ride. And you yeah. cut my face. Get the hell yeah. out of here. And yeah. if I can't get you myself, knowing sure I'm an abolitionist hey, too I, I want you, I want Come prisons, on. I want jails to be abolished. But until they are, if I have to use up. them, if I have to use them to get you together, I'm gonna get you for wronging me, I'm gonna get you together. I'm you going to jail. I don't that care what I don't care what nothing. <laughs> I'm you going day. to jail. If 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 I can't get you myself. 
because then I'm going to be in jail because I know I'm going to wear you out. But yeah, because right. it's just one of those things that right. our life, that's something that can affect our life and our safety and just opportunities we have. That's, that's what I was face. about to say. With, uh, with us three personally, um, we're, we're literally working in a space where our face is part of how we make money. Our face and our voice. Literally, all three of us. Yeah. And us being trans already diminish opportunities. Then you come in and you just Scarface trans. That that can be horrible. That can be very... That, we, we know people who are living this experience, not just by somebody doing it, but, but somebody disfiguring their face. I know girls who got silicone and or who, right. who, or, or who got abused by their boyfriends who right. are literally living these negative things. Yeah. Because somebody ruined their face. Baby, you right. do that to me, baby, it's over for you. I, I'm gonna feel like life is not worth living. I'm gonna I'm just now I might can get there yeah. and get over it. But in the fucking moment, I'm gonna get you. I'm sorry, it's over for you. And I wanna I wanna give a shout out again to Pink, Fifi, Ebony, because you have handled this situation very maturely, even through all the other turmoil that you've had to deal with, along with your face being slashed. And I commend you on, on your healing journey, love. Brie, can I ask this though? Is there when okay, is this mostly in more established? Uh are you saying this mostly in more established ballroom communities? Yeah, or it's funny is that it a regional thing? I'm seeing it more in the northeast than in the south, or more so here on the west coast. You know what I mean? Like, great yeah. question, great question, Jay, and and it's a great question, especially for anybody else who doesn't know ballroom. Right now, American ballroom is split up into two different scenes. We have mainstream ballroom and we have Kiki ballroom. Um, mainstream is where this incident happened. This particular incident happened. Usually, the, here, usually the. Usually right. the bigger balls where you see the, the celebrity ballroom people like, you know, your Cali Gorgeous Gucci and your Leomi and your Deshaun uh, Basquiat. Those are mainstream people. The Kiki scene is uh, for all of the kids out there familiar with OTA and all of the places where you essentially learn mainstream ballroom. Kiki was invented in order for the kids to have the younger people to have a safe space without the drugs, without the sexual violence, without the, um, you know, manipulation of elders and, and things like that. However, I must say that my warning extends to all who attend any ball in any region. These incidents have happened everywhere in the U.S. Um, in both Kiki and mainstream ballroom. Less often in Kiki ballroom, but I still want you all to beware if you do attend a ball. Thank you for answering that, Brie, because like out here... Because when you say, I'm like, I'm, because out here, there's a key key scene, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm very, they're very active. Um, but I was like, I don't really see that. I can't see that happening. But thank you for like, the, it's like, um, just, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, I'm, where's my word? Defining. You'll find the breakdown. No, you know no. what I'm saying? But like, yeah, breaking that down between the differences between no the problem. two. Sadly, um, I feel it necessary to point out, Jay, that in your region, ballroom is predominantly non-black. Who are you telling? And that just happens to be the, re the region where there's no violence reported. Um, but, but to be fair, I, I can't, 
be me without mentioning the fact that ballroom is inherently black and inherently melanated. So with, without the melanin, what what is the scene really? All right, y'all. So y'all tell us what y'all think about what's happening in what y'all think about this violence that's happening in the ballroom? Um, do you think it's an uptick? Now, you know, I've been around for a long time. I've been hearing about violence in the ballroom scene for a while. So I don't want to say it's just new age, but I, I do feel like it's something that's kind of peaking up. Like it's a, it's a, And maybe it's just because we have the internet and these stories get out and videos get out more often. It doesn't mean that it's happening more often. We're just exposed to it happening more often because sometimes yeah. it's not. You get what I'm saying? It may have just been happening in the 90s, been happening in the 80s, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, remember Candy pulled out, <laughs> pulled out her hammer, baby. <laughs> oh, close. But tell us what y'all think about what we're talking about, like the violence in ballroom and, you know, shout out to, to, to Nay for coming out. I know it's hard for a legend to, some, because of what's going on and we don't see her that much, but here she come she, gracing us with her presence and then bam, some bullshit happened. Um, so yeah, still anyway. Beautiful. Still beautiful nonetheless. Yeah, shout out, shout out yeah. to the pioneer icon to Nay Pendalvis. So yeah, let us know what you think. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please, do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So speaking of icons, speaking mm -hmm. of Pose, we just talked about Pose. The amazing Cecilia Gentili passed away and her funeral services was on February 15th mm -hmm. in New York City. Rest in power. Yes. Rest in power to her because she was definitely, you know, people, she came to, you know, the public, you know, she was one of those ones. I always say that she was she was mm -hmm. our or still is our Sophia Vergara. Um, mm -hmm. She's funny, but she's relatable. But she she was she was one of them ones. She was really one of them girls. She was one of them girls that didn't just talk as she walks it. Yes, and most of us kind of not anybody who um, is not in our community. We knew her before this, but if you're usually as far as the big national public discourse when she came into prominence was because she played Miss Orlando on um, the pump lady on mm -hmm. uh, on pose but I don't like people kind of narrowing her um her legacy down to just that acting gig that she got she mm -hmm. was an icon before 
you know, activist icon before mother of community before she even got that role. She right. is, she's HIV activist. She is a sex work activist. She is uh-huh. iconic Latina mother of the community. She is just, oh my God. She's just, she has, she has had a legacy before she even got that role. How she even got into the position to play the role is because mm-hmm. people in community already yeah. was her status. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, um, if Janet, and um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank now. I can't think of the other right, the other writer. Um, but if if her and Janet, honestly, uh, Lady J, Lady J, I wouldn't be surprised if Janet Mock and Lady J wrote that part or had her in mind for that part. I I doubt she had the audition. Wouldn't it be surprised at all? Yeah, I, I bet she didn't have the audition. She knew the culture. She knew everything about that character and had the skills and the personality. And she just was dope. And so Cecilia, they had her services at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. And it brought like, that's one of the big ones. And and like 1,500 people came out to celebrate this woman's life. And wow. so all of our community, all of our folks just came out and, and, you know, just showed up and showed out for one of our own passing away. And we just showing her love and mourning. Um, even like the, of course, the celebrity ones came out. Um, I think Billy Porter sung a selection. A couple of her children got up and spoke, and other um, trans iconic community members. It just was a beautiful, 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 beautiful um, ceremony. So, wow. in so you know when our people come, <laughs> we come unapologetically. <laughs> And so one of her daughters, a couple of her daughters, kept in the services. It's not just one. It's a couple of them. Mm -hmm. They were affectionately calling her a whore. Mm. Mm -hmm. So and this is something in her own. Wait, do you mean like when they were, you mean like when they speak? Like yeah. when they were up speaking, oh, you know, they, oh. it was their time to talk, like during the eulogies. Mm-hmm. Multiple people gave words. And so during that, they would be referencing her as a whore. Like um, that one of, one of the standout comments, somebody said that she was the mother. She was like, she was like the mother of us. She was the one who was protecting us. She wanted to give sex workers their right. She was the mother of our whores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she the way the way they're saying she okay. humanizing sex workers and da 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 da, and then they were sharing that her her calling you a whore. Oh, what's up? Like her just something in her language bank where she's like, you know, this whore thinks she she thinks she's killing it in a in a way that's affectionate and endearing. So this is something that Cecilia would say, and so in their conversations about her, they would they kept on referencing the word whore. Okay. And so, but it's all in love and reverence and, um, you know, endearment. It's not to be disrespectful to anyone. It is just the way she spoke and kind of claiming that word as you're not going to make us being sex workers ashamed. You're not going to make us, um, you're not going to weaponize this words against us. We're actually going to use it. We can call ourselves whores and we can be whores and we can be Mm -hmm. that. that, that. So that's kind of how the the spirit of it was. So it was very positive, very, um, you know, in, in, in Cecilia fashion, in, in that kind of memory of her. 
Yeah. But child, you know you in the Catholic people's uh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know the, the cracker going sensor. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You know you in these people. Uh, sacred place of worship, child. <laughs> and this is their place. So they they get to decide what is right and wrong, honey. This is their place. <laughs> and so one of the words that was said, I just talked to y'all about horror, but this let me give you some direct statements about what was said. I gave y'all a couple of them, but this particularly. We lost our saint. We lost somebody that we that we would call no matter what, no matter what time. But this lady worked so hard to make sure girls like me, girls like you, boys like you, people like you are safe and that they are grounded and rooted and got health care and that sex workers were free. So. She was the mother of horse. She was fabulous. She was the, she was the mother of our whole community. So, after these clips start going viral, <laughs> oh, this is another thing that was said. I'm sorry. Um, she was like, they affection affectionately describe her as this whore, the great whore, Cecil the Saint Cecilia, the mother of all whores. <laughs> so the Catholic. Oh, baby. In a statement released on behalf of the New York Archdiocese, Father Eric, Enrique, I'm sorry, Salvo, the pastor of St. Patrick's, condemned this scandalous behavior. The cathedral that when they requested, he said, when they requested this, we thought that this was just going to be a family friendly funeral. <laughs> with um, where we, you know, we welcome somebody and, you know, send somebody off into glory with respect and reverence. That's why we said, sure, you can use our place. Both. She was a respected leader in community. So we felt like y'all was going to come in our place and act like y'all had some sense. But no, now I'm, now I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> you, th you know, I we did not know that y'all were gonna come in here and degrade such a in a in a sacrilegious way this place. Y'all did this in a deceptive way because we didn't expect y'all to do that. So <laughs> who's y'all? <laughs> this behavior in the rest of the statement, this behavior of some of the people who attended the funeral, including comments like mother of all whores or changing the words of a sacred hymnal, Ave Maria, to Ave Cecilia. These are the two examples that we feel is sacrilegious and disrespectful. The backlash led to a petition calling for, now clock this, this is gonna be hilarious, cause I cackle. <laughs> They called for an exorcism to get rid. Oh, come on now. Come on. <laughs> I know you <laughs> fucking hey, lie. I've been trying to hold it in. I've been trying to hold it in. Wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. Let me finish. They say they are calling 
for exorcism to get rid to rid the church of any remaining evil spirits. So have they done that for slavery? Have they done that for for this conquistador bullshit? Have they done that for I know they lied. Have they they did it for the child molestation? This must be the Hispanic coming out. This must be them cracker Spaniard genes coming up out of y'all because this ain't no native blood and this ain't no motherland blood that then told y'all to get on Jesus Christos internet and talk crazy about something being sacrilegious when you sitting up praising in the church with a Jesus that don't look like you when Jesus looked more like you than the gay prostitute that was painted in the picture. Stop playing in my face talking about an exorcism and sacrilegious because all y'all little child molesting, predatory, pedophile, so-called Christian Catholic. Oh, I can talk to the archdiocese and they can they can wipe my slate clean. You a fool if you think that the Lord really exists and you think them pearly gates really exist and you think that you can do all the manipulating and money stealing and kitty diddling that you didn't did and you going to be in somebody's heaven. No, going to be on the first trip to hell, honey. And I'm here to tell you, I don't even believe that it exists, honey. <laughs> but you're still trash. You trash. How are you going to disgrace? Y'all just want an excuse to disgrace our community. What I think the real tea is, and we're going to talk real tea real quick. I think the real tea is that y'all probably didn't realize who Cecilia was when y'all agreed to have her services there and y'all gagged. Fiercely. And even if y'all was aware that y'all was trans, y'all probably wasn't aware that she has had the impact that she has had. And you gagged fiercely because that lady was trending on social media for at least a week. And you gagged because now with it being 2024 and this being an election year and -hmm. everybody is all against the queers i'm sure all of your little coins that you got tied up in the government even though y'all supposed to be non-governmental entities but we already know that y'all work hand to hand with the politicians which is why most of them blame their bullshit laws on y'all's religion and the shit that y'all tell them honey Go and get your cracker adjacent, half-educated, non-aware ass up out of here. And don't you ever disrespect the queen of whores like that again. Because I can't imagine the type of essays and bloods and crypts that you didn't have buried up in there. And the people who probably really did need exorcisms on y'all property, y'all paid it, honey. And literally probably got paid some pesos. If you don't get out our face talking crazy now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just respectability politics. I think that, you know, I'm somebody when I'm in people's spaces, when it comes to their churches, I do kind of, I don't want to say censor, but I guess that is censorship. I don't use some of the colorful language that I would use if I was in a, another type of space. But yeah, but I don't think they're particularly wrong. I think they're. I think asking for exorcism is hypocritical and extreme. But I, if it, if the statement just said, "Ooh, I wish they didn't use this kind of language in our mm-hmm. sacred space," like if they just left it at that and said, 
I wish they just didn't use this kind of this language in our sacred space. Right. And right. that was just it. But for you motherfuckers to take it all the way to gotta exorcism and shit like that. That it's takes so coded. It's so yeah. coded because of course you want to perform an exorcism on the queer people. Of now course. the argument would have otherwise been censorship in religion, which is foolish, because if they had added monger to the end of that word and called her mother of the whore mongers or queen of the whore mongers. That's in the Bible. Stop, That's stop in the word. Stop playing. Stop playing. If your religion, if your religion is that fragile, based on syllables, come on now, people, get out of here. Yeah. All That's, right. So, what were you about to say, Jay? No, I just. I mean, that's just. It's just wild to me that they would. I mean, to your point, uh, Diamond, just like, you know, you could have just said, you know, that's not really our thing. <laughs> She's a lovely lady. You know what I'm saying? It kept it moving and been done. But it, but the exorcism, it's like, well, y'all y'all got a lot of work to do to clear up them spirits. If that's really, if that's if that's how we gonna frame this. Because I hope it ain't just them spirits you're trying to get yeah. rid of because we got a lot of spirits. Work to do. Y'all got work to do. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody just got dropped off in different fucking places. That's the only reason the three of us don't speak Spanish. Fuck out of here. So, <laughs> in, in response, in response, the family of Cecilia Dutilli have released a statement. They say, she we brought precious life and radical joy in the cathedral. Mm-hmm. In historical defiance of the church hypocrisy and anti-trans hatred, Cecilia's funeral service, which filled the pews in ways the cathedral only can during Easter service <laughs> and NYPD funerals, was a reflection right. of the love she had for her community. They came and showed her love. And that's why your place was filled to the brim. A testament to the impact of her tireless advocacy. And we bestow sainthood upon Cecilia for her life work. Mm-hmm. For her, she has ministered, mothered, loved all people, regardless of HIV, immigration, and employment status. Her mm-hmm. heart and hands reach those. The sanctimonious church continues to belittle, oppressed, and chastised. She changed the material condition of countless people, including unhoused people and those who needed health care. This is why we sainted her. The people that y'all left behind, and I'm adding my own stuff. (laughs) The people that y'all left behind, the people that y'all said didn't deserve this mighty God's love that Mm y'all claim to be stewards of. Y'all claim to be the people that who believe in this unconditional love, that believe that people deserve this kind of love. This is somebody who actually showed it. This ain't somebody right. who played about it. This ain't somebody who needed a title or a clergy to think that they better than everybody else to put people down right. and throw them away. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those people. This is somebody who mm-hmm. actually lived the life that y'all claim that y'all want to live. This is like right. somebody who actually is being Christ-like that you are not. In action. Yes, In absolutely. action. In how they engage in community. Way mm-hmm. more Christ-like than you. Sit your self-righteous ass down. Now, I, like I said, I'm not totally against them saying, uh, watch the language. That is on some respectability. I get it. I know. But 
you know, it's a sacred space. And it's, it's a cultural. sacred space. I get it. Yeah. Any it. culture wants that kind of respect of their space and they, they get to decide the rules of that space. And so, but I do think they went too far and they, I think their response, the family's response to this really points to the problem with church right now. Y'all too busy worried about the wrong things and not handling things the right way. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. listeners, tell us what y'all think about the Catholic church, hypocritical ass, <laughs> <laughs> having a problem with us showing our girl, Cecilia Gentili, giving, giving her her love in the way that she knows our community, she that she would have respected. Thank you, everybody, for showing up and showing out. Mm-hmm. Cecilia, we love you. We appreciate you. We are going to miss you. Your legacy is bigger than you ever could imagine. You mm-hmm. are one of those ones that was out here doing the work. We appreciate you and love you. Let us know what y'all think. Hashtag Marcia's Plate. I don't know if y'all have heard about this situation. Um, y'all familiar with Fannie Willis? Uh, she's the attorney. Yeah, yeah. In, in Atlanta, right? Yes. She's the Fulton County District Attorney. Mm. And um, she's the person that is prosecuting Trump, the orange dude, over the, uh, you know, who's trying to steal the election and be like, I just need, you know, 27, mil- you know, 1,201. Point seven votes. Can you hook me up? Like, so he's the person prosecuting that situation. Now, last week you probably seen her. You know, press laid hair. She's <laughs> like prepared at this hearing over misconduct allegations around her hiring someone that she had a romantic relationship with. And she did get them together and was like, yo, you think I'm on trial? Y'all trying to be a distraction? Because actually this fool's on trial. We're trying to steal an election. Let's not get too distracted, which is, I think, a legit criticism. Anyway, most times when people go to court, you don't want to go. You don't want to put your person on trial. She acted, I mean, on the stand. She went on the stand to just clarify you know what it is like y'all worried about where my money come from for example uh, they're like where's all your money coming from she's like i keep money at my crib that's how I, I was taught that then her dad got I, and confirmed it you know from what i saw jay and correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> it was basically like she had hopped on the stand and i'm paraphrasing but she was hopped on the stand and she's like look this trial ain't about me but since y'all want to put me on trial let's do it yeah she was ready to go one of the things that came up for me just looking at like watching all the stuff that was coming up is uh, a couple things came up one around like fraternizing like dating somebody that you work with mm-hmm. um like even though she was like that technically would for most people be like you know what i'm just not gonna shit where i eat kind of thing around that mm-hmm. but she still didn't do anything that was gonna impact she didn't do anything that was gonna fuck up this trial. Like she didn't do anything that wasn't legal. You know what I'm saying? And so they're trying to use this as a distraction and she's getting all the scrutiny that's actually not related to her job performance. You know what I'm saying? It's really just related to Donald Trump is on trial. You're the person prosecuting him. And you know, we just wanna make your life hell and you're a black woman. Right, we're gonna try to demonize you. Exactly. As and much as and over and Jezebel, mm-hmm. you too, because exactly. oh, that's exactly what I was about to get at. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like hypersexualized, all of that. And so, 
my question for you two is the first question is have you or do you avoid like how do you feel about fraternizing like in your own personal life like around being in relationships with people that you work with or you may have to work with um you know if you do community work you know it's kind of small so the eyes of that depend on who you know how you dating that could come up as well um and then my second question is around the scrutiny like obviously i think we're all on the same page that she's getting more scrutiny um as a black woman but how do you kind of negotiate that nuance between like i think you did something fucked up but i'm also gonna stand you know i'm saying 10 toes down to defend you because this is some bullshit that ain't got shit to do with your job performance um so yeah what are y'all thought what are y'all thoughts on that that's my question for you all in the audience like if y'all been following this um and she got on that stand pretty heated like yo listen like you said brie i'm ready you know uh -huh. she was ready to answer every single it was question and got them together about this Child, it's, it's crazy that I can't remember the quotes because I can't tell you how many screenshots I got ready for memes, honey, because this lady was on that stand swiveling in that chair ready. But to answer yeah. your question uh, real quick, Jay, for me, it's a hard no. Um, yeah, which one? The first question about fraternizing? Like, about about fraternizing, about eating where I shit, I literally have that motto. And um, I swear by it, even to this day. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny because... Um, well, it's not funny because I'm dating right now. I'm single. I'm being addressed with it commonly. I can give you an example of how hard to know it is for me. Um, mm -hmm. In hair school, because this for me doesn't just apply um, with work, but anywhere where I like better myself, I try to avoid dating. And in, in like, I'm not, I'm not trying to date my classmates. I'm not trying to date um, where I. Uh, you know, my co-workers, I'm not trying to date um, nobody who I would essentially have to see on a regular basis. Avoided it with a classmate in hair school um, and the connection was genuine. Um, we both waited until we were out of hair school. Um, and yeah, that was somebody I dated still to this day. He's a good friend, dope connection, all of the things. Um, but yeah, we just didn't end up together. We ended up with different people. Um, so yeah, so I say all that to say that if the connection is genuine and you really think it's genuine, then allow that friendship to grow. Um, and if it's that serious, you know, then one of y'all make a way so that y'all not eating where y'all shitting essentially, um, to date, or y'all come up with a pack that if the connection is that strong, that one of y'all is clocking out, if it goes left honey you know what i mean i don't know something like that for me but personally i avoid it but it's very tough because i tend to to date other queer and trans people of color um and okay. I, am involved, I am heavily involved in all subgenres of lgbtq honey i am involved in activism honey i'm i'm online blogging i'm involved in ballroom the drag scene um you know, um, and even what I do, my other job. So even in that space, I'm around other queer and trans people. Um, so it's it's very tough for me and it, it limits my ability to date and it sucks. But um but but no, yeah, um every time like I've been um having some dated experiences recently and I've been reminded essentially of why I shouldn't, why it's not a good idea. Me, you know, you know, you're gonna be under extra scrutiny as a black person, as a black woman. 
So even if the guy was the she appointed this person that she dated to like work on a case, work on the case, um, and he's qualified. So like there's no impropriety in terms of legal doing a job, all that. This is all like I think this look, this is feels funny kind of energy, but there's no reason for her to be on trial, technically. I don't know, Diamond. Bree mentioned not just like work people, but just like anybody she don't have to be around you said anybody you don't have to be around on a regular basis um unless i'm dating them is that kind of your rule diamond or are you uh a little bit more flexible with all that oh i'm a whore so i fuck my classmates Oh. <laughs> I, fuck, <laughs> I fuck my classmates. I, that, that's in school and up, honey. Try to we just students, baby. Yeah, I'm gonna get them. So, um, if I want them, I'm gonna get them. But at work, when I am working, <laughs> when, when I have an oblig, when I have a financial obligation and a work obligation, to professional obligation to this whatever I'm doing, this platform, um, I don't mess around with people that I work where I work at. Um, I just feel, uh, and it's definitely not because I'm not, a, I haven't worked with people that I wasn't attracted to and I wasn't tempted in that direction. It's just a couple of things that, that make me not do that. I am deathly scared of somebody weaponizing that against me, my attraction to them or um, us flirting, us um, deciding to hook up and that being weaponized against me um, mm -hmm. as, you know, either in a position of power where they're like my underling or a position where I'm the underling and they're in a position of power. I don't want that to be weaponized against me. So I, I, ha I have very, very strong boundaries when it comes to that. But that also kind of, um, this is kind of maybe some pick me in me a little bit as well. Uh, when it comes, uh, the, 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 when it comes to in community, um, there is a a prestige that I want to keep about myself in community. I do not want the whole community saying that they had me. Mm. I, I don't like the idea of that when it comes to my partner. I want my partner to know that when when we get in that situation, this is a special situation. This ain't just not saying that there's anything against people who move like that. I'm talking about for Diamond Styles, my own personal preference for me. I don't want it to be that. When somebody hooks up with me in community, I want them to know that this is a special situation. Like, I don't really hook up with community members like that. Yeah. And even in my life right now, there ain't nobody in the trans community that can say that they mess around with me. <laughs> Sexually. Okay. Right, right, it, it just, right. It's just not that. Now, if we're talking about, you know, the trade, yeah, the list goes on and on. But if we're talking about in community, mm -hmm. um, no, I've never messed around with... Um, a community cis man who just is kind of out here in 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 a community like that. Most of men that I deal with, they kind of fit very stereotypical heterosexual norms. So you know, they really are in the trans community. Um, I've never slept with anybody with a vagina. You know, otherwise, I've just never have done that before. I'm I'm a I'm a gold star tranny. <laughs> Oh, I'm a gold star. <laughs> That's my version of the gold star list. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it sounds about right. It sounds about right. 
<laughs> you know, so I, you know, I just said I've never done that before. And so, I, so I, I don't, it's something about it. I, and I call it pick me, but it's just something <laughs> about, I just want my partner, my, my, my sectional partner. If I do have a sexual partner in community to know that this is a special moment. And mm-hmm. so it's respectability. Yeah, it could be, uh, that's my old school church girl coming out. <laughs> it's so many things. So many. I things understand that. I I complete. I completely get it because dealing with somebody who um ended up being involved in community and they were essentially a lot more sexually free than I am, and essentially they messed with everybody in community. Um, and it's really uncomfortable for me because now I don't feel special. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I completely get that. And it's things like that on how I, why I navigate the way I do. It's not that I'm not a hoe, but it's just that, you know, I, um, if I was to hoe in my community, it would be, I feel like it would be a hot mess. And in my situation with work, just because as a trans person, I've just had to navigate some of the most extreme shit at work as far as like, assumptions against my blackness, against my transness, against um, everything in regards to work. And it and and people are really, really quick to make it seem like um, my, either my blackness, my womanhood or my transness are the cause of a problem as if, you know, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to whatever, like they try to kind of weaponize those identities against me in various situations. I'm very sensitive to how I set myself up to those kind of problems. And I feel like if I'm fucking niggas and I'm messing with people, they can immediately weaponize this over-sexualization of a trans woman, over-sexualization of a, a black woman, over-sexualization of a woman in general. Those things can be weaponized against me. And I don't I, I don't like to put myself... I, even like, I remember, you know, there was when I worked at Bath and Body Works, there was this very attractive guy that worked with us. I would not be in rooms alone with him. I just wouldn't because I'm your boss and I don't want it to be any kind of situation. So come on, baby, come out. It's funny because I've I've never I, I never thought about it in that way. That's funny. I never thought about it in that way personally. Yeah, because if he says something, if he says I did something, uh, you get what I'm saying? It could just put me in a situation. Oh, and you a trans woman? Of course you like penis and want to suck his cock and offer him head to give him a raise. What? (laughs) Like, I would never do that. But that could be weaponized against me. So I just don't put myself in that situation. And it's, it's realistic because if you... I can imagine seeing that headline. We have seen headlines like that before. And, you know, I, I don't know about y'all, but even for me, it's, I, I sometimes question whether certain community members are capable of things that they've been accused of. Yeah, you know, I think it, it can be. But go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, like, so I remember um, one, of my, one of the people I dated, one of my partners actually you know, uh, they applied to a job where I used to work at, where I had like just left. I knew they were interested while I was there, but I made sure I was like so removed. And I was like in a, a, um, a uh, ED kind of position there. So I was like leaving, you know, so I, I, I made sure I had no hands on that process. Um, now, would I do that since I start since I medically transitioned? I don't know. Because like Diamond, like as you mentioned around being having your identity weaponized, um, 
and I'm a I'm very dark skinned black man who's trans. Nobody else knows anything else about me. Oftentimes I'm cis assumed, so they don't know. Oh, okay, you gender queer. They don't know that. <laughs> you know, they don't know. They don't give a fuck about any of that shit. Um, and I definitely know people who've had people accuse them of things at work. You know, um, since medically transitioning trans guys. Um, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. So I definitely feel you on like, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep my space. <laughs> like, like, we not. I we even not think that. that. And, and I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say real quick that I even think that um, on top of us being black, um, you know, um, being an added check that we're queer or we're seen as queer overall under the umbrella of queer. And I just remember growing up. And even now, how it being a thing where it's like, I'm not letting the gay or I'm not letting the lesbian babysit my child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, that's the thing still, clearly. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think I could, I don't think I would navigate that the same way, though, since transitioning. And, and being in, like, I was in LGBT world for work then. And after, and I, I've already mentioned on the show, my experience then as someone read as a black lesbian who cisgender is very different for that 10 some years, you know what I mean? Than what it means to be someone who is read as a cis, gay, or queer, or we know you trans, but we don't give a fuck. We're going to put all of our projections around cis people, cis men onto you. Right? So it's just like, oh, you actually don't want to learn about the experience of a black trans man. You're just going to project your shit. Onto me. Okay, great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't actually want to learn anything. <laughs> so, that shit um, definitely, I think, I don't know if I was in like not in LGBT space. I might feel a little differently, but still, probably not, just because I feel like I'll be putting myself in danger. Um, but you know, people be out here, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. That's why. <laughs> not me. Not me. You bold. <laughs> Taking chances, I'll, I'll do that. But anyway, um, uh, first of all, audience, let us know about that. Like around shitting where you eat, where you work at. Have you done this? Have you dated people that you work with? I think. Um, why gotta be shit? Why why can't it be coming where you eat? That don't sound like a bad idea to a lot of people. You know that's what that is. You know, when you like them candles and talk to them ancestors, Diamond, please ask them, what was y'all thinking when y'all came up with that phrase? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but also, the other question was, yeah, about Fanny, in terms of just like, when you know folks that's kind of in that situation, you still stand 10 toes down? Or are you kind of like, I don't know, or are you gonna, do, you, do you continue to stand 10 toes down, even if they fucked up, or they did something that you're like, yo, you didn't technically fucked up, but if I was you, I would not do that. Would you still defend them um, 10 toes down, I guess is my question. It depends. So like in her situation, I feel like, and and she has proven y'all don't y'all, these people have the burden to prove if this is um um concern for conflict of interest. Y'all have the burden to prove that, and y'all did right. not. So if y'all did not prove that there was some kind of compromise within her doing her job just by, by being in a relationship with this person, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to stand 10 toes down with her in that regards. But if you have proven that there is a conflict of interest in this situation and y'all can prove it and it's facts, 
I'm going to be like, damn, bitch, why you fuck up? <laughs> I'm going to be like, damn, why you fuck up? We had them. Like, we had them. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be, that's how I would be in this situation. But they haven't proved that. They haven't proved that this is right. a compromised situation. So, fuck y'all. Get the fuck out of here. Y'all just being a distraction. And I ask, too, because there are a lot of people who are crit- are critical of how she handled, uh, was it YSL and some of the other cases with black people down in Atlanta. Then I've, I've heard people talk like, hey, I disagree with her 1,000%. Oh, this shit, this shit, this shit, and that shit. And she was not really thinking very clearly to do this dumb shit, but I'm going to stand 10 toes down. You know, so I, I guess that's really also a part well, of Are we going to always be in that situation when we come to people who are in positions of law enforcement? Yeah, even our vice president, when we, when we think about her, she got some problematic history when it comes to, you know, being a part of the system of justice. Yes, but... Okay, we're going to have a problem with that. You know, even uh, black police officers and black COs get a hard time. Even to this day, Rick Ross has never done an interview where he's admitted or talked about his work as a CO. He's mentioned it in songs and he's insinuated Mm -hmm. that he was a crooked CO. But but still, there's always going to be that juxtaposition. But uh, from from the way I see Fannie move and the overall pol- her overall politics as I understand them for right now I'm riding with her yeah yeah I mean just I mean because we we also know like just this this whole thing around the extra layer of scrutiny for black women and to me that's about like how do we how do we be in solidarity with black people like we people so people fuck up <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean so it's like, yeah. like we can walk and chew gum I think you put that on one of the po- you know you can do multiple things at the same time yeah. but anyway y'all let us know what y'all think um, would you support somebody who you're like, oh, I really, dis- I really disagree with them about a lot of shit, but actually on this shit, like I, they need to be defended and supported. Um, how do y'all, how do y'all approach those situations? And yeah, do you shit where you eat? As the old people say, hit us up. Hashtag Marshall Square. But y'all know Cry Reese is back in the news, right? Y'all know Cry Reese gets there, honey. I'm sweet, sweet lady. Let me. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, we, we ain't gonna pretend I can say. Now you know Tyrese. I, if I'm not mistaken, his divorce has just been completed. Um, you know, oh. got, you know he didn't got this new uh, girl, this new fiance that he proposed to within like months of meeting her. He oh. was proposed to How her old is she? Is she uh, over twenty five? I'm not going um say yeah, yeah or nay, honey. I know the child is the McRib. Um, as Tyrese's McRib. You remember how Kevin Hart had him his McRib? You know, Kevin Hart still got his McRib. Um, but yeah, she's you know, she's Tyrese's current McRib and they was engaged before the divorce was even final and the child separ- the child uh Custody stuff was even finalized and all that anyway, honey. Within the past week, they done broke up and they done got back together. Overall, even if you don't know about this situation, baby, you should know by now that Tyrese has essentially become the black male poster child for oversharing his romantic relationship business online. <laughs> Wait, don't he be like in the bed? Is that Tyrese that be doing that? He be like in the bed with whoever he's dating or something? Probably. I don't know. I try not to keep up with him, but he is always on my feed oh, with the bloggers talking about him being a whole entire fool. 
honey, baby. I just go and I check it out for the memes. You know, like I told you, <laughs> and I and I make memes out of them, and I got some good memes out of Tyrese. But this is a personal question. I'm using this to sp springboard a personal question that I have for y'all and the audience. I think my gauge is broken, so I need y'all advice um, because Tyrese is somebody who I definitely feels like overshares too much. So my gauge ain't that broken. Um, but I do right now I'm kind of in the place where I only really share personal stories. If I think it's going to potentially be helpful to somebody else, especially the younger generation, the younger generation of the trans other people in the community. Um, so I'm curious, what are y'all's rules for like for like sharing because oh and the added note i'm sorry before i complete the question lately i've i've even gotten criticism about certain stories that i told because people have complained that i didn't share enough they've complained that i should have put a name on it you know and even like with christian keys for example another celebrity who was recently in the tab tabloids you know he talked about um predatory behavior and unhealthy relationships that he had uh with other with, with executives and other people who worked in the entertainment industry and a lot of people complained that they wish that he had put a name on it or told us who he was talking about or whatever um and i've been accused of doing the same thing before in my own stories like um leaving people anonymous and things like that so i'm just curious like what are y'all's rules when it comes to posting personal stories uh relationship stories whether those are familial relationships romantic relationships friendships um what how how do y'all manage that and what are y'all's rules if you have any i go for it i'm sure my answer is gonna be shorter than that <laughs> I've not been as long as a public person on this level. I think my rule is kind of similar to yours, which is like, if this is helpful, I think this is helpful information to share. I'm going to share it. Now, I'm not necessarily going to share people's names unless I check in with them first. Or I think like, you know, it's all relative, I guess, you know, but, um, and I think being like a little older, like not growing up with social media, like the internet and online culture the, the, that I came into was all, all about being anonymous in many ways and just being on the internet in the chat or something like that. It wasn't necessarily social media culture. Um, so like, and when social media started or or started to explode, like um, or blow, uh, become more popular and I was like kind of detached from at, at social media kind of in the early years. So by the time I got involved, I was like, oh no, like my mindset not even in a place of like, so you telling I'm me you ain't even got enough social experience, social media experience to help me, Jay? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying that I'm, I, my perspective, just like you said, I grew up watching content creators, right? And like that's influenced you. For me, I didn't grow up watching content creators. I grew up uh, around folks with the attitude of just kind of like you don't push it out there <laughs> unless, it, unless it's necessary. So that's the culture I kind of grew up with. Um, and so I do you know, like, like you mentioned, like, I don't mind sharing stuff that I think is helpful. Um, I don't mind sharing personal stories. I've talked about some of my own personal uh, struggles and things on the show. I feel comfortable sharing that because it's me. Now, when it comes to other people's names, like I said, I feel like, you know, there's, there always should be some discretion. Ain't nobody trying to get sued either. So, like, <laughs> which is like a thing, right? So, yeah, um, yes, it has been a thing. Yeah, defamation is a real thing. And so, um, 
but anyway but yeah so that's kind of my rule is like it's very similar to yours like if i think it's helpful yeah and you know i'm you, know, you already know i'm kind of analog girl in the digital world i didn't have a smart tv until 2018 okay i had a roku cool. i plug that shit throw it out what <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i was kind of you know what i mean like i was i was living a very low digital footprint lifestyle so i think um intentionally so i think that's part of just like what's influenced my perspective on like how much to share um okay so I had a situation that was maybe like like eight years ago. Cause y'all know that I've been online sharing stories about my life for over a decade. I think I started in 2008, February. Literally, my very first video on YouTube was my birthday, February 28th. I don't know if you know this diamond, but it's the perfect time for me to tell you. Um, you were one of my social media influences. You were one of the people who I watched. I don't know if the people ever reached out to you before we did connect online, but people used to always tell me when I did start making videos that like I was your daughter. They they thought they was like comparing me to you. And I think that's because your influence was rubbing off a little too much before I found my own voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Work. I live. That's so cool. I was lonely in Houston by myself with no friends. Um, my, my first year, cause I came here at the end of 07. So I was, I stayed on somebody's couch from the time from um, November 15th, which is the first time I touched out in Houston to December the 16th, so a month. And then I got my own apartment oh, that December 16th. So by February, I was kind of getting settled by my birthday. I didn't really have any, the girl, I, I tell that story. I don't want to go into that story, but the girl that I stayed with, we had fell out. So I didn't really have any friends. <laughs> and so I was kind of lonely in a city that I didn't know anybody, a new city that I was in. I wasn't fucking with my family because my mom had relapsed and I was pissed off at her because the whole point I was, the reason why I came to Houston because I was, she had relapsed and had spent the rent money and we was homeless. <laughs> so I was, I was pissed off at my family. Um, my, my little brother was like 16, 17. So he was too young for me to kind of dump on in regards to adult shit happening. Um, right in my brain so i didn't have anybody i had my fucking aunt but she was weird she was being weird because she was chasing after a nigga and i just didn't have support at the time <laughs> i didn't have support so i used youtube almost like as a diary it was a tool for me to get clients because youtube is video and you can like embed your video in your escort ads so they knew you were the girl in the picture <laughs> wow, so, I didn't know that. Yes, you could back in the day when you when we used to be traveling, you could embed your YouTube videos in there. So I, what I would do is I put up a video that was like, you know, me shaking my ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I embedded in my thing. But I also would tell stories. And so my very first video was um um, February 28th on my birthday because I didn't have nothing to do because I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family. I, at the time, oh. it just I didn't. So I posted a video about my experience with family because at the time of that in YouTube, everybody was talking about their transition, the physical, like everybody was saying, yeah. um, 
how long they've been on hormones, how long this is three months on T, or this is three months uh, yes, on estrogen. Yes, this yes. it was all that kind of no, yeah. but I transitioned 10 years before this when I was fucking 13, 14 years old. So by the time I'm in this space, I'm like 26, 27, 28. And so I'm not think I'm way past that shit. So what do I have to offer to this online community? And the only thing that I felt like I had to offer was stories of my life. How I how did I overcome some shit? Exactly. And so that's what I did. And so it started to gain traction. And I started, I became a partner. And this was when partnership was an invitation only thing. It wasn't anybody could make money on YouTube. It was you get the mm-hmm. so you get a certain amount of numbers that we right. are inviting you to make money on YouTube. And so I became partner in 2009. It just became a thing where people were relating it to it. So because of that, it made me comfortable with telling my story because what I learned in the numbers and the analytics of what I was doing, the more vulnerable I was, the more people related to it, the more comments I got, the more, the more, uh, any kind of vulnerable, honest moment, moment when I was just trying to be vain and be pretty, to get some clicks and some views but when i was just when i was just being real no makeup no nothing because i was the type of person that sometimes i come on the camera looking sickening sometimes i come on with my bonnet sometimes i come on with you can say it just depends on what i'm what i got going on but the ones that they love the most is the ones when i was telling stories and being vulnerable and honest about what i was going through the uh, good the bad and the ugly whether it made me look good or made me look bad. Like I got a story called Pussy Stunt where I'm, you know, inappropriately doing things that I'm not supposed to be doing. And so, you know, that was dishonest and da-da-da-da-da that people related to. And I have a story. I remember when there was a story called, this is one of my favorite stories. It's called The Romantic Regrets of a Good Girl. And if you go on YouTube, it's it's like eight years old. And I'm telling a story that and this is i'm sorry making this long but i'm giving y'all why this was relevant to this conversation i'm telling a story about a time when i was in college and i met these two people i didn't know they were connected when i met them but i met this guy from detroit and i met this girl from detroit so this girl this sister to girl she was cool as hell with me and she was dope. She was kind of in the beginning of our relationship. She was really looking out for me and protecting me while I was at Jackson State. And so anytime somebody was fucking with me, she was like standing up for me and saying little mm-hmm. shit to people. Y'all need to mind y'all fucking business. Being the kind of cis woman that I like, the kind that look out for you, that can that get your pronouns right on the first time you tell them. You get what I'm saying? Just respectful, just accepting of trans people. Mm-hmm. So... I met her and I really fucking liked her. Fast forward, I meet this dude. Um, he goes to school with us too. And um, I have seen him around cause he, you know, he's a cute guy. I see him around and I'm in my room and I'm playing some music from the Midwest. Like it's really popular. Um, I can't really name it. It's called You Work It. You Work It, oh, oh, You Work It. I can't really sing it, but it's like a house music song. Um, and but it's particularly it was created and started in the midwest and so when we when i had it playing in my room somebody knocks on my door and he Detroit kind of house stuff yeah it's a detroit kind of house yeah you work it oh you work it yeah yeah so it was really yeah so he hears it playing in my room and he knocks on the door 
And I come, because mm-hmm. remember, they put me in a boy's dorm, <laughs> even though I was fully transitioned. Um, so I opened up the door, and he's standing there. So imagine this cute guy that I done seen walking around the campus, this cute-ass guy, and he knocks on the door, and I open the door, and I'm like, hey. And he was like, where are you from? And I was like, Indianapolis. And he was like, oh, I thought you were from Detroit. What you know about that? I was like, oh, I'm from the Midwest. Of course I know about that. So we had this little moment and he was like, oh, okay. And then he looking like, he kind of like in this little way, kind of like this little cute moment where he just kind of, we have a moment because we from the same region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So one night I see, I go out to the plaza and I see him and her taking the girl Mm -hmm. that is cool with me and Mm -hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that they are partnered, like they're together. What I didn't know at the time is that she's from Detroit and he's from Detroit. These are literally high school sweethearts. Oh, and, wow. and he's a year older than her. So he came to college when I was a freshman. He was a sophomore. And so when we get to when he becomes a junior, we get I come and she's a freshman and I'm a sophomore. So that's how I end up meeting her. And so I'm realizing, oh, damn. So one night on the plaza, when it's just me and him, everybody is, it's late at night and everybody want to go get um, liquor. And so I don't have, I got coins, but I don't have the ID. So I'm like, hey, I got this amount of money on it. And everybody was like, oh, well, we got this. So everybody in the community on the plaza start chipping in to go get liquor. He got the ID because he's older. You get what I'm saying? And he was like, oh, well, I'll take you to get the liquor. So me and him get in the car and go get the liquor. And some crazy shit happened. What? And it's crazy. I don't want to tell y'all. Y'all got to go check out the video. (laughs) (laughs) The romantic regrets of a good girl. So some crazy shit happened. That was in college. Fast forward. I tell the story, the whole story in the video. It is like a crazy, I regret some shit in the situation. It's some shady ass regretful shit that I regret that I feel like I would have handled that situation differently if I knew all the things that I end up knowing. Because there's some shit that came revealed that was kind of fucked up that didn't allow me to participate like I wanted to. So in that story, I name names and what I don't on YouTube, I name names. And what I, what I don't know is that some of my people from my college era was subscribers of my YouTube. Oh, wow. And so he comes to me. Now this is years later. This is like 10 years later. He comes to me and tells me that people are seeing this video that you posted about our situation and Mm. I need you to take it down. Mm. And I say, but it was the truth. And it was my experience. I'm telling my experience of the situation. It was a total truth. My experience about everything. It was a total truth. And he was like, yeah, but that was so many years ago. And my wife is now asking me about it. Because he ended up marrying the girl. Oh, oh. And he and so she gets somebody being messy, sends her the video of me telling a story, and she confronts him about it. And he comes to tell me to take it down because me and him were still in contact since then. Mm. And so I tell him, no, I'm not taking it down because it's the truth. And I'm not saying nothing bad about you or her. It's not mm. bad, but the shit happened. 
And so what do you expect me to do? I'm not taking it down. People love that video. Fuck you. And I'm tired. And at this point in my life, because this is years after I had posted it, this may be like three years after I had posted it. I'm tired of protecting down low ass motherfucking niggas. Mm. And so there was a, a, it was something in me that was just tired of that. Just was tired yeah. of dealing with protecting y'all and not being able to tell my truth because I'm got to look out for you raggedy motherfucking niggas. So anyway, I say all of that to say, I feel like I am more relatable when I tell my truth. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to be censored in a way that says I can't tell my truth. I'm going right. to name names. I'm going to say what the, if it's I'm never, ever, ever going to lie on anybody. So if mm-hmm. I get in trouble for telling the truth, I'll just get in trouble. But mm-hmm. anything that happens to me that I think is powerful, that I want to share, I am not going to censor it. I'm go- and, I, and I don't want to have to be worried about name and names. Nigga, you, if you didn't want it to be told, you shouldn't have did it. If you're ashamed of it, whatever it is, you shouldn't have did it. And I'm going to tell my truth that has something to do with me. And I had to learn this with my brothers. I had to learn this with my mother. I had to learn this with my friends. I'm telling my truth because I have said some things on my platform that involved other people mm-hmm. and holding them accountable to their story, to, to their role in certain things in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I tell the truth because people relate to it. And one of the reasons why I have the platform that I do is because they relate, relate to my honesty. And so it ain't no rules. It lo- the rule is tell the fucking truth. I'm not lying on anybody. If I'm telling the truth or if I don't know, I say I don't know. But mm-hmm. if it's my story and my perspective, if I think that it may be skewed towards me because it's a, from my perspective, I'll say that too. Like, I don't know what they were thinking, but this is what I was thinking. I just want to tell the truth. That vulnerability hey, makes me Mary, relate Mary, to people. I just want to tell the truth. I just want well, to tell the truth. I definitely, I definitely got my answer from, right. from, from, <laughs> from both of y'all. Um, and I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all humoring me. But now, and I will continue to process and, and figure out how I will move forward in navigating this space as I continue to be a public figure in the community. Um, but yeah, but my question is now to the audience because I would love more feedback. Um, believe it or not, I am a person who's humble enough to listen to what other people have to say. Um, I don't think I'm perfect at everything, at, at everything, but I am a Virgo, so we do know that I believe that I'm perfect in a lot of ways. Um, yes, but let me know what y'all think for all of my content creators out there, for all of my people who just like to make content and tell stories online. What is, what are your boundaries? What are your boundaries in telling these stories? What are your boundaries in telling your own truth? You know, whether you be somebody who's been part of the Me Too movement, whether you've been somebody who's part of the Him Too movement, um, whether you're somebody who's just been in toxic relationships or have toxic relationships, whether they're familial, romantic, professional or otherwise um how do you all navigate these spaces and what are safe boundaries for you and if you have any suggestions for content creators please feel free to share those as well and when you do make sure you hashtag marsha's plate that's hashtag m-a-r-s-h-a-s p-l-a-t-e 
Hashtag Marsha's Plate and let me know about your boundaries when it comes to social media. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria. More than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria. More than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme you the feeling. And the high can never come down from. Whoa. All right, y'all. What is bringing y'all euphoria this week? I'll go first since Jay's sitting over there looking like he might be quiet. Um, <laughs> what's bringing me euphoria this week is clarity. Clarity. I am still on my healing journey from my emotional breakdown that I shared with y'all before. Um, and this week, this past week since we last spoke, I've just been... Seeing more clear, my my vision is becoming less bur- less blurred for any of our listeners who deal with mental health issues such as depressive disorders or, you know, anxiety disorders. Um, I'm somebody who lives with both and along with epilepsy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I am very happy to be coming out of the fog. I am finally at a place where I am ready to build healthy relationships um, socially and romantically. Um, So I'm just very excited. I've been connecting with people um, both online and in person. And um, I'm just very excited. I'm very excited about my my own future and rediscovering my own happiness. What about you, Jay? Word. My my euphoria this week uh, is two things. One is I had a friend over... Uh, with their uh, essentially a toddler uh, around four or so. And I forgot that that age is still kind of a baby, but it brought me so much joy and they touched everything. And I was like, oh, please don't touch it. And they were like, I'm going to touch everything. <laughs> so, but it brought me so much joy because I haven't been around children that young in such a long time. It's been a minute. Not for that, well, not for that like extended length of time. You know what I mean? And so it really reminded me of back in the day. You know, I'm, I'm my my great my great nieces and nephews consider me their uncle. Their parents still call me uncle, but I was their auntie when we was little. And so it really remind me, you know, all those things just coming coming up, kind of went into autopilot around the kids. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, well, let me make sure you get your this and that. You know, and, you know, kids, you know, they're like sniffly and they're just. Oh, it's not like baby is still and I'm like, oh, so that's bringing me for you this week is just kind of like being being in community and being around the babies because the babies are cute. They like to touch a lot of things, but they're adorable. Um, and so that that, that really kind of like just opened up a, a, a whole different emotional pathway for me just because I just had, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't know about y'all, but when I get around kids, it's just like, oh, what about you, David? Oh, gosh. So. One of the joys that have recently been um, that has come into my life is when I I already have this bubble of uh, trans inclusive cis women that I have um, just been a part of for many, many years now. And it's just a beautiful thing because if anybody knows me, I haven't had cis women um, be close friends um, in my like in my twenties and my teens, there was nobody that I let be close friends. We cool, but 
close where I tell them all my secrets and tell them all that's going on in my life. I really don't because I it was a, just some trauma about trusting um, cis women and they just have put me in so many dangerous situations um, being a trans woman um, that I couldn't always trust them. And so I'm in a play way different in the past five, ten, five, six years. I've been in a different place in regards to having really close cisgender women friends. And so sometimes I'll come into, I'll come in contact with other bubbles or pockets of these same type of women. And I'm like, Oh, I have a new group of cool ass trans inclusive women. So one of those groups, um, is who I was with this whole weekend. Um, there is an organization called Fellowship for Liberated Futures. And we went to Arizona and we were at a spa resort and they, it just was so freaking just deeply healing to be in that space with them. They were so open. They were so, um, there was none. I mean, not even a monicum of weird social transphobia. Y'all know how y'all can be in these, spa in these spaces yeah. where. Like passive transphobia, like Pat, like the. Yeah, that kind of underlying weird ass questions or microaggressive or, and it may not be intentional, but you can just tell that they haven't been around trans people. Absolutely none of that. It just felt like a beautiful, sisterly, film inclusive community of people that and we didn't know each other this is the first time that we were meeting and so that is very rare usually it'd be like one that you can tell oh they don't know nothing about trans people <laughs> but no this is this was a collective of 16 women who just have amazing journeys amazing stories and amazing um just spirits and so they that group has literally brought me euphoria this whole week and thinking about them and thinking about, you know, just the tools that they kind of presented and then just, just being in community with them is so dope. It definitely has planted the seeds for me to have more cis women friends, which I am super, super close to. And so I want to offer this book that they, that we got while we were on the trip. It is called Undrowned. It is by, um, it's called Undrowned, The Black Feminist Lessons from Marine Mammals by Alexis Pauline Gums. And she's basically go, doing a deep dive, scientific deep dive into marine mammals and seeing how they live and actually connecting it to um, black history and black um, feminism. And she, it's just brilliant. This is a poetically academically brilliant piece of work and we have mentioned alexis pauling's gums in multiple episodes before and so this is one that i just want to suggest y'all get it's called undrowned the black feminist lessons from marine mammals check it out that has been bringing me euphoria this week and what is that um author's name again alexis a-l-e-x-i-s Pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E, Gums, G-U-M-B-S, Alexis Pauline Gums. She has wow. other writing. There's one about mothering that's really, really good, powerful mothering, or something about mothering. That's a really, really good one. But that one and this one are my favorites. Nice. 
So check it out, y'all. And what have been bringing? What has been bringing y'all euphoria? And let us know. Hashtag Marches Play, and we will see y'all next week. See y'all later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's going to be all right.